starting, finishing our series today. So um, we are, I think it's week seven of seven. Um, and so we've been doing this since January. And Matthew 5, 6, 7. Uh, we've been kind of, I don't know about you, but it's been uncomfortable at times. Lots of uncomfortable passages we've been looking at. Um, and that's kind of the Sermon on the Mount, isn't it? Jesus doesn't beat around the bush. He doesn't, like, mince his words. He goes straight to the point. And um, our passage today isn't any dissimilar, basically. If anything, he, he cranks it up slightly. Um, because I don't know, it's a bit like a, car, a long car ride. We began in Matthew 5 with lots of energy, ready for the journey. Then we got to Matthew 6. Maybe we started to feel a little bit tired at the wheel. And then we entered Matthew 7 last week with Charlotte. And then this week, we're, we're kind of ready to kind of pull over, um, <laughs> get out of the car, just as we're about to finish. But just before that, there's lots of warning signs that we need to look at before we stop our car and get out. And that's what Jesus does here, essentially. The journey's just about to finish. Here are some warning signs for you before you get on your way. So we're going to read a, a bit of scripture here. And then, um, yeah, we'll look at it a little bit. So here's the, here's the last passage then of the Sermon on the Mount. So uh, enter through the gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in the heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. There's a song there, isn't there? Do we know the song? The wise man built his house on the rock. Uh, it's all fun, because obviously all the kids fall down. It's all very fun, but it's... <laughs> Essentially, he's talking about going to hell, um, <laughs> but the kids love singing it. Uh, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. Interesting last verse, isn't it? You know, everything you just said, Jesus, we recognize it as authority because you kind of live it. You're what you've just taught us. 
and you're not like the other teachers. You know, you somehow embody all of what you've been saying here. Cool. Gate tree house builder. So throughout this uh, passage you just read, actually throughout the whole of the Sermon on the Mount and throughout the Bible, there's often uh, two choices put before us, isn't there? Two types of people or two ways, two paths. Uh, And you might be familiar with verses in Proverbs or in in Psalms. Um, We have uh, the path of the righteous and the path of the wicked. And the same thing's happening here. Jesus is showing us two paths, two ways. Remember, at the beginning of the series, go right back to chapter 5 and 6. Jesus says, there's my followers. They go this way, and then the Pharisees go that way, and then the hypocrites go that way. And he compared good treasure with bad treasure, good eyes with evil eyes, being anxious with trusting in God. And in our passage today, we've got a narrow gate or a broad gate. We've got a good tree and a bad tree. And finally, we've got a wise builder and an unwise builder. There's always two ways. That's what Jesus is finishing on. And um, the narrow gate's interesting. So I was thinking about this a little bit this week. Um, And I'll show you my little idea in a second. It's a funnel, the idea of a funnel. Um, Beginning with the narrow gate, then, Jesus uh, does call us to relationship with him. It's kind of self-explanatory, isn't it? The gate was like this entry point to a city and all that the city possessed. And the gate here is to the kingdom of God, isn't it? And we talk about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, same thing. It's here, it's now, but it's ultimately a final destination, isn't it? And um, in calling us to enter the narrow gate, the kingdom, Jesus is saying uh, you can't enter unless you show. Jesus is not saying you can't enter until you like show me all your righteousness. That's what he's not saying here. He's saying rather, a bit like John's gospel when he says, I am the gate. Jesus is saying, you enter the kingdom through me, through relationship with me. Um, so here's my idea of two funnels. So if we imagine the kingdom, so the one on the left, and um, this is like the broad, the wide gate. So um, entering the kingdom in this wide funnel at first, it's very easy to get in, um, and maybe, I don't know, it's like you hear a message about God's love and forgiveness, which is great, and these are like the so-called nice and easy good things, um, and so wide, this entry point, you can bring all your baggage, everyone can come, <laughs> but then towards the end of the funnel, it kind of gets a bit narrower, and so maybe in that narrow part of the funnel, it's like you discover things like obedience, (laughs) prayer, sin, temptation, uh, faithfulness, probably some more difficult aspects of being in the kingdom. And then, I don't know, something eventually blows us out of the funnel. Now, on the other side, there's a narrow gate, and you can't enter with all your baggage here. You know, it's a bit narrow. You have to kind of take off your baggage, take off all of your own righteousness, and... um, You have to essentially repent and trust in Jesus. And then once you're inside, it's not that life gets easier, but we do start to experience more of of the joy and freedom that comes with being in Christ. And then that's why it goes. That's my funnel idea anyway. Maybe they should have said two funnels originally because I like it. (laughs) Um, So, And then we come to the next bit of our passage. 
And that, what's that all about, the false prophets? And it's talking about me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's not talking about me. Um, so there have been many suggestions over the years. Who, is the, who are these false prophets that Jesus is talking about? Um, it's probably likely, he's talking about the Pharisees earlier on, isn't he? It's probably likely them. Um, or is it just Christians in general? Um, well, what is a prophet? A prophet is someone who claims, well, no, a, cl- a prophet is someone who's appointed by God to speak on behalf of God to his people. So a false prophet is someone that is kind of like self-appointed, doesn't really um, speak on behalf of God, but claims to. And according to Jesus, this person's like a wolf, right? Disguising themselves as sheep, trying to fit in to the community. Um, when in actual fact, they kind of fail to follow Jesus' basic life and teachings. And um, Paul talks, doesn't he, about wolves and dogs. Um, he doesn't mean like cute, fluffy little dogs. Um, when he calls people dogs, <laughs> it's a bit of an insult. <laughs> not like, you know, the dog you see with coats running around the park. Um, not like your dog, like, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, it's an insult. Anyway, um, Paul, um, these these things are real. And, and he actually says uh, in my churches, you know, when I'm dead and gone, I think he says it in Acts, um, I know wolves will come into the church. It's inevitable. And, but in our passage, Jesus isn't actually focusing on, um, like, the teaching of these false prophets. That's what Paul focuses on. Like, they have these dodgy teachings, and we might think of heresy and all of that when we think of false prophets. But Jesus is actually, he doesn't even mention that. He's, he's focusing on the fruit. He says, you might not always be able to spot them, but Jesus says, by their fruit, you can know them. Um, and, I mean... Jesus is like, you know, think of, it's like a tree, have they got fruit on? But also, what does fruit do? It kind of nourishes other people. So, you know, is it nourishing other people? Um, you know, can you see in this person humility, peace, patience, love, gentleness, all the things, fruits of the Spirit, kindness, you know, purity, whatever, prayer, transparency, even the way they talk to people, talk to their spouses, whatever it is, can you see fruit there? Um, now, you can say bad fruit is false teaching and heresy, yes, um, but I think it's just getting at the fruit here Jesus is talking about. But Jesus doesn't want us to go like heresy hunting. He's not like, hey, go out there and try and find all these people. Um, but how do we apply it today? I think he's probably saying all of us have some sort of, well, we definitely do have a spiritual influence in our lives, different channels of our influence on us spiritually, whether that's in person here, whether that's online, whether it's a podcast, whatever it is. And I guess it's for us just to be aware, are all these influences pushing us towards the narrow gate or are they pushing us towards the broader gate? Because a, a false prophet would probably want you to go to the broader broader gate. Um, cool. So, Jesus goes a little bit deeper here in terms of judgment and um, the final judgment um, and our final fate as humans. I don't want to go into loads of detail about Judgment Day. (laughs) If you are interested, there's the passages. Um, The Bible's pretty clear. All the living and dead will face some sort of judgment. Um, Even angels and demons will, will face judgment. 
And Paul says, we will judge them, the angels. <laughs> Which, yeah, he just says these things, doesn't he, Paul? And you're like, well, hold on a minute. Can you just explain that? <laughs> and you're like, yeah, don't you know we'll judge angels? No, I don't, Paul. <laughs> Please stop and explain. He's like, I went to the third heaven. Did you, Paul? Well, tell us a little bit more, because I just thought there was one heaven. Um, so, you know, Paul just says these things. But they knew what he meant, obviously, at the time. Um, so think of judgment. You know, it's not, at, we do probably think judgment, it's like a bad thing. We know it's not. You know, judgment, the same word, righteous. It's just justice, isn't it? It's good. Judgment's good. Um, you know, it's part of God's plan to restore all things. Um, we might not see justice in this life, but one day we can be sure that we will. And when all the sort of poor and oppressed and marginalized people are finally lifted up and all of the dictators, all of the violent, oppressive people um, are put in their place. Um, And true believers, however, we can have a lot of confidence when it comes to this day because it says in Romans 3 and 8 that our sins were judged in Jesus' death. So we can be confident um, on this day. And on this day, our, uh, our sanctification will be complete and all that is not of Jesus will be removed. And apparently, Matthew says later on in, the, in this book that some of us will even receive rewards. Whatever that looks like, I don't know. Um, but yeah, so um, uh, in, in our passage, Jay, Jesus kind of says, he takes us to this judgment and he says, doesn't he, I never knew you. Kind of like the worst thing you'd ever want to hear, isn't it? <laughs> I never knew you away from me. Um, and throughout this whole sermon, Jesus has, has been saying uh, one way or another, what really matters in your life is not what you say or believe, but what you do with what I tell you. That's what Jesus is saying. Are you going to put my words into practice? Um, are you going to do what I tell you? Um, that's the message of this sermon. Incredibly, we get this picture, don't we, of this end-time judgment. And we read of these amazing people uh, that we would think are amazing because look at all the things they've done. They've prophesied. They've, they've driven out demons. They've performed lots of miracles. I mean, surely they know Jesus, right? That's what you would think. And they seem to actually, <laughs> they didn't see this coming. They were ready to enter. And Jesus like, hold on a minute. I never knew you. And they're like, no, 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 hold on a minute. We, we did all these things. You've surely, I've surely were on the list. You know, that awkward, awkward moment. Actually, you're not. Um, so, see you later. <laughs> um, I never knew you, Jesus says. And we did sing that song, didn't we, Knowing Jesus. And I think it's obviously really important. The eyes of this text, what they would look at is look towards us at is this idea of knowing Jesus. But more importantly, that Jesus knows us. Um, do you know Jesus? Is a big question, isn't it? And one way you can find out <laughs> is obviously personal experience, having that intimate relationship with Jesus. But also, you know, Jesus talks about, you know, doing what he says and does is a form of knowing him. So when he says, I never knew you, and it wasn't like, you know, he's talking about communication here necessarily. He's talking about doing his works equals knowing him and vice versa. That's how you know Jesus. And that's how he knows you. Um, 
And so historically, you know, the church has kind of like swung to different directions here in terms of like what will save you is works, 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 works when we come to this end time. And then the swing to the other direction, actually, what will save you is faith, 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 not works. And I think there is a healthy balance. You know, Jesus does save us, but he saves us for good works. And we are saved by faith and um, real faith produces works. As you know, James says, doesn't he, in his book, faith without works is dead. Um, And even in this sermon, you know, Jesus says a couple of chapters ago, you know, when you pray, pray, forgive us our sins. So Jesus, <laughs> he's, he's assuming that we're going to need forgiveness on a regular occasion. And so he's not talking about perfection here necessarily. He's talking about now that we have the spirit indwelling inside of us, it's just natural that we will start to show Jesus to other people in the way we live. It's just a natural process. Um but notice that just Jesus doesn't, he never says this, those who do good deeds will enter the kingdom. He never says it. What does he say? Those who do the Father's will will enter the kingdom. Because there's lots of people all around the world that do lots of good. There's probably people that don't know Jesus that will do more good than you will ever do. Charitable exploits, whatever. Um, and of course, this is God's desire for goodness to be in the world. But Jesus says here, the key to being a Christian, a, dis- a disciple of him, is doing God's will. So that's not, he's not talking about perfection. He's talking about a life, your life characterizes some sort of obedience to him. Um, a life that strives towards what Jesus has been describing in this sermon. And, um, you know, I could... I'm sure all of us can talk and share moments in our lives where there's like those obedient moments where we just really know that this is a moment to be obedient and trust God. Sometimes whether it's to do something in faith, sometimes whether it's to stop doing things. I mean, I remember when I first came Christian and I had all this like illegally downloaded music and movies <laughs> on like a external hard drive. And I just really felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit <laughs> to like delete it all and um i was like oh but it's like got all of the lost series on it and it's got like everything it's got like all my favorite albums and at the time it was probably the biggest decision i've ever made in my life (laughs) looking back now it's such a silly thing i should have saw netflix coming and knew it was all streamed anyway you know god clearly knew and he had a plan for me um but um i think you know, even those little tiny choice moments, they're moments of obedience. Um, and that's just a tiny little bit of God carving us into who he wants us to be. But I do think this, this language of knowing Jesus did really hit me. And I think Jesus is inviting us in this passage of judgment to intimacy. I know it's strange. But I never knew you. It just, to me, sounds like I, I do want to know you. I want to know you. I want to have a deep, intimate relationship with you. And um, I think that's what he wants for us. Um, Jesus says in, in, in John 15, 4 and 5, probably my favorite, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Um, you know the whole, uh, you can bear no fruit unless you abide with me. But then Jesus says, apart from me, you can't do anything. And I love that verse. Um, but it just frees me. And, and I realized, apart from Jesus, 
I can't do anything. Um, and, and that's why you don't see branches like wandering off in the woods, blossoming, growing lots of fruit. I mean, look around here. Well, you never see a random branch <laughs> just like flourishing with lots of leaves and flowers. No, they're all dead because they're not connected to the vine. They're not connected. Um, it doesn't wander off and, and blossom. It dies if it's cut off from its life source. And so we come to our final thing here. Um, we come to the wise builders. And um, we've got two types of people here, haven't we? You know, those who hear Jesus' words, both hear his words, but one builds his life. I've got a little exercise for you. So, spot the difference. You've got one minute. Go. There are 15. I could only find 12 this morning. <laughs> oh, just spot another one. I've got 13 now. Right, that's it. That's it. Sorry, time's up. Sermon will commence. I just noticed that there's three bananas here. Yeah, I didn't notice that this morning. Yeah. <laughs> Quick, get it off. <laughs> oh, he's <laughs> be staring at that all day. Um, apparently 15. I mean, you know, I'll leave it up afterwards and try and find them, but I couldn't find 15. What's my point? My point is, you know, sometimes at first sight, it is hard to tell the difference between the two images. Um, but when you look closely, you start to see the differences emerge. And it's the same with these two builders. Um, there's two houses which might look very similar, which probably both look beautiful. And you think, wow, what a lovely garden. You know, what a lovely front door, what lovely bay windows. But if we get closer, and maybe if it's possible, I know it's not, to look at the foundations, um, then the differences will become apparent. And, you know, as impressive as this house may seem, if it's built on sand, just a gust of wind and it will come crashing down. And the language of rain and storm, I think it can refer to life's trials. Um, but because we've got this, like, end-time judgment in the background, I think it also refers to this end-time judgment. Um, and some people misunderstand this passage and think that the rock is Jesus. No, the rock isn't Jesus here. The rock is what Jesus says. Um, you know, the rock is um, all of Jesus that he's been talking about, his commands, the Sermon on the Mount. Build your life on these things, on these teachings. And then when the rain does come in life or at the end of human history, we will remain safe inside this house by the fire, warm, cozy, confident um, that we will weather this storm. And as I was kind of like, you know, just reflecting on this image, I think, like, so, I mean, our community is pretty middle class, like, when we're all together. So this, this, <laughs> this picture of, like, making your house really nice <laughs> and getting, like, a really nice house and a really nice garden and all of that, I think that really applies to us. Um, you know, we are on that, uh, on that economic you know, ladder point where these things really, you know, are accessible to us and, and, and they relate to us. So I think there's probably a warning to us here. Actually, yes, it's th those things aren't wrong to have a nice house and nice garden. Of course those things aren't wrong. But there is another house 
that we probably don't see with our eyes that we should be spending even more time and resources on to uh, making sure it's built on the rock. So we've kind of come to the end of the series and um, the end of the Sermon on the Mount and it finishes um, in the same way that it kind of begins really. Lots of mixed feelings and we said right at the beginning as the quote from John Wesley was that this sermon isn't commandments, it's promises. And that's helpful, isn't it? Because it's not a list of things that we do in order to be a disciple, but it's a list of things that will occur as a result of following Jesus. And so Jesus isn't preaching to be heard, he's preaching to be obeyed. And um, he's not telling us to do a bunch of good deeds, but he's telling us to follow him. And so as we end this series, our response is to respond to Jesus. And how do we do that? We live what he's telling us to, how he's telling us to live. Um, so what I thought would be good is just as we pray together um, for a couple of minutes, um, reflecting on all that we've heard and all that God's spoken to us over the last couple of months. Um, Let's do that, show. If you want to get uh, two or three people, gather together and let's just um, let's pray together.